This is the second of two videos focusing on the topic of sacred fire. If you haven't, I encourage you to watch the first video. But in this one here, I'll demonstrate my suggestion for how to create a contemporary sacred fire. My name is Sarun Yano. I'm a historian of religion, and this is the Nordic Animism channel where I popularize my work on recovering Nordic animist ways of knowing and practicing kinship with the other than human world. You can Patreon support my work, invite me to do lectures, participate in my online seminars, visit my web shop, or just follow, like, subscribe, and tickety tick, toot toot toot, and all that stuff. Tickety tick. I have limited myself to a simple, yet still a bit demanding, old way of making fire, which is my bid for how to make a sacred fire through a method which is historically old, but not a friction-based churn fire uh, that is going to be for some time in the future. What I suggest as a preliminary step is to use a fire steel as a way of light lighting a sacred fire, such as a Yule hearth, a new wood stove, or see other seasonal bonfires. But I strongly suggest that some of you good people out there uh, move to the next step and go for the churn fire, as demonstrated by Ian on the Sacred Hearth Friction Fire channel. Because that is actually the real shit. The physical strain of doing this, as well as the communal nature of doing it, and the materials used and the associations actually of this rod turning in a hole, in my view, they are important elements of the animacy of sacred fire in the Nordic area. But until then, I will go with a fire steel. In this, I'm following a Bavarian example where people used to insist on using flint and steel rather than matches when lighting their Easter fire. This is also a very ancient technique for making fire. The fire steel is a technique that's literally more than 2,000 years old, and it will take some work for you to get it down. And that in itself is actually not completely unimportant because things are not supposed to be easy in this world. Sometimes, they're actually supposed to be a bit hard. Uh, we're used to our relation with fire being almost non-existent. I press a button, I put some synthetic ultra-inflammable shit in the stove, and poof, there's a fire. But part of building a ceremonial fire is that you have to bring yourself into relation with those natural materials that give birth to the fire. And that does take a bit of work. That work is you getting into relation with the material that brings the fire into this world, the creation moment of fire, you could almost say. You could also say that the oldness itself of this method perhaps carries a kind of animacy. Because there's something about old ways, people sometimes feel that the old ways have more animacy somehow, as if they're closer to the origin of things. They have more Megan, they're more aligned with the patterns of creation, where that 
source where stuff comes from. It has more animacy somehow. One remarkable example of this in Northern Europe is the Yule season, which is a time of year where this tendency is particularly marked in cultural practices. It is as if Yule is a little bit of a time capsule where older practices just seem to tag along quite significantly. Uh, here's a funny example that I came across at some point. This is the Queen of Denmark, and she's putting a Christmas porridge for the gnomes in the attic of her main residence castle, right? And this is a playful thing she's doing there, but I still think it's quite remarkable that the head of the Danish state church is performing what is basically a heathen right, offering right in full publicity. But it's just an example of the ritual oldness of Yule traditions. And fire is an important part of traditional Yule. There's a logic of bringing light and warmth into the darkest and coldest time of year. Uh, and in, in different locations in, in uh, North, Northern Europe, the Yule hearth was lit with the need fire, ceremonially started in old ways, as if it was this way to make a real fire, an essential fire. Fire that's not just for cooking any old pot of pasta, but fire that carries the animacy of fire. It's charged with Megan of fire, which makes, of course, this fire ritually potent. So, what I'm showing you here is, one, it's an old way of, uh, of doing it that brings fire out of handling the materials directly from the land. And two, the composition of firewood, which also has meaning. So the first thing you need to do is the ritual collection of this firewood. Primarily, tradition prescribes that you need to light your fire with seven or nine different kinds of wood. So you see there's a symbolic enrichment of this fire going on in this collection of nine kinds of wood. Uh, this collection of nine kinds of wood uh, was also practiced for midsummer pyres. Uh, so I actually uh, went and prepared my nine kinds of wood uh, already in autumn. Uh, so uh, I had a little bit of wood ready back here in in December when I was uh, creating my Yule hearth. So I know, knew that there were nine kinds and I knew where they were. I also encourage you, by the way, to think uh, yourself with the ceremonial logic of these nine kinds of wood. What does it mean? Why nine? What kinds of wood? Why these kinds? Where do you take them from? Do you take them from dead or from live trees? What about the time of the moon, the time of the year? Now, in a ceremonial logic, of course, those questions are important. And that stuff is not necessarily recorded in sources. It might also have been very individual. So I would encourage to work with that yourself. But here's one leading question. How do you take it? Do you just plunder it? Or do you give a little something back to make sure that this wood is not a thief's loot? that you have just taken, but material that has come into your possession through a re respectful recipro reciprocal relating, right? Which is then embodied in this wood. Um, and by extension, of course, in the, in the fire that it will feed. Also, if I had a proper place and not just an apartment in this hipster city here, uh, I think I would basically make segments for different kinds of firewood uh, in my firewood compartment in order to be able to make a sacred fire and really keep it going by feeding it with nine different kinds of wood. When creating a fire, 
with a fire steel and a flint. There are four steps. Creating a spark, turning a spark into an em ember, turning the ember into a flame, and then a flame to a fire. And that last step is just nursing the flame as if you've used a match, right? So the first step is creating the spark, and that's not particularly difficult. You need a fire steel, and you need a flint with a sharp edge. And then what you do is you strike it like this here with the fire steel. You can use a, use a museum reproduction of an Iron Age fire steel like the one I'm using here, or another kind of fire steel. The point is that the diamond-like sharp edge on the flint kind of scratches towards, and it scratches tiny pieces of the of the iron off and make the uh, make the make the the sparks like this so you see it takes a little bit of do uh, practice but it's it's not that difficult then you have to create an ember and that's a little bit more work you're gonna need some tinder fungus or amadou in English. And here you need to focus some energy because this tinder fungus, it has inside it that material where fire begins to take hold in this world, really. And this is the material that will turn a moment of light that disappears in a glimpse of an eye into a small smoldering ember that can be carefully nourished to bring a flame out of some tinder material. There are loads of instructions uh, in how to do this by bushcrafters on YouTube. Uh, and I encourage you to check in with them because they're better at it than me. Uh, but I'll just demonstrate my own process with it. You need uh, a tinder fungus, uh, also sometimes called hoof fungus. And this is a kind of fungus that grows on trees, often dead trees. You prepare it by cutting off this bark layer here. Then you cut off the bottom part of it, the tube part of it which is also useless, and then you find an inner core in it, which is like just under the bark layer here. You take that out, you cut it into slices. Then you have to make an ashes lye by boiling two parts of water with one part of ashes, preferably ashes from hardwood, particularly birch. You let it simmer for about half an hour, and then you have this fluid, and then you stick the fresh pieces of amadou in there, and you can just leave them there for one and a half or two days, and then they're good. Or you can put the dried amadou in and then let it simmer in there for one to two hours. The bushcrafters on YouTube will teach you this. This treatment makes this tinder fungus much more receptive to the tiny spark from the fire steel. If I should express this in a scientific mythology, it is that the potassium chloride which is a chemical component that actually goes into making gunpowder, but here it doesn't make anything explode, don't worry. That actually goes into the tinder fungus and make it receive the spark more easily. Then you have these lumps of tinder fungus and you have to beat it for a while with a stick or something so it becomes flat and soft and spongy. You know, Use a stick, not an iron hammer or something like that, something wood or rubber hammer or something like that. Then it needs to dry. Then you need to massage it to break up the fires inside it until it feels like soft and leathery. Then it's a good idea sometimes 
to break up its surface with something sharp or a needle or some, something like that. So it, so it doesn't just have the surface of a piece of cardboard, but a little bit more like cotton, a material that's better for catching the spark from when you strike your fire steel. So it goes like this. Like the ember starts glowing in the amadou, and that gives out this uh, smoke that smells super pleasant. I've tried uh, to do this a couple of times, uh, and the first time I made Amadou, it worked perfectly. The second time, I did something wrong somehow and didn't really work. Uh, look at this here. That is not a functional Amadou. <laughs> but I just took that batch, I washed it thoroughly in lye and let it soak for a day or so, uh, and then I took it up, and then it seemed to be working, you know. So you can work at, with this and, and get better at it, learn how to do it. Uh, it's supposed to catch fire very easily and smolder uh, smolder away. So yeah, you might, might have to work a little bit on this in order to make it work properly. But it's actually not that difficult. I mean, I made a little fire kit that I placed beside me at my desk, and then I just practiced a little bit from time to time, you know, to, to get used to it. And that's where we go from ember to flame. When you have the ember in the Amadou, the fire is almost manifest, but it's not there yet. If you leave it, it's going to die out. It needs tinder material of some sort in order to, uh, to uh, move into flames. And here you need to remember rule number one of making fire, and that's preparation. Uh, have about three times as much tinder material as you think you can be bothered to make. Uh, when I prepared this, I used my my big Sami knife that I made back when I lived up in Sapmi as a young man. Uh, that's a very good, good tool, I really like it. Uh, uh, you can use it both as a big knife or you can hold it in, in the rim and then you can use it almost like a machete. Uh, but you know, that's just me. Uh, you need to make everything ready of course. I arranged my nine kinds of wood in front of the stove. Uh, and then you need to, to open the wood a little bit with a, kni a knife so, uh, or with an axe so it catches fire more easily. That makes it into tinderwood. It's a good idea to build a little tower out of this tinderwood from your nine kinds of wood, like this. Um, and that's just an, a technique to make fire. It's not particularly attached to creating a, a sacred fire. And then you need some tinder material. I cut little shavings of wood and then I try to make that work. Um, I used these uh, shavings to make a little nest for the ember, uh, the amadou. Uh, and then when you get the ember, you need to nurse it and you need to put it in the nest of tinder material and blow on it. Keep blowing for a while, you know, and it's possible that, you know, you better do this outside because if it works right, it's going to produce some smoke uh, as the ember glow increases and uh, to watch breaking into a flame. Uh, at first, it didn't work for me. Uh, I tried again, and it still didn't work. I tried one more time, and it still didn't work. <laughs> and then I started getting a little bit des desperate, because at that point, my last batch of, of Amadou had actually failed, so I wasn't basically sure that I'd be able to, to do it with the Amadou that, I, that I'd made. So at some point, I almost gave up, uh, and I ended up actually having to take a shortcut cut, I think that the wood that I had gathered a couple of month, months earlier, uh, perhaps it wasn't completely dry, or perhaps you know that's the reason that that the wood shavings that I'd made that didn't really do the trick uh, of uh, making a flame uh, out of the ember. Uh, so uh, the first time I tried, I took a shortcut, 
uh, when making the nest, and I made it with little pieces of newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I got it going. This was my first attempt at making a sacred fire. But uh, some weeks later, during the Yule holiday, I tried again. And uh, here I had gone for a better prepared tinder material. I had gathered and dried some moss, uh, and you can combine that with grass. I used the moss to make the nest and blow on it. And you can hold such a nest when you're blowing, in, actually in a loop of dry grass, for instance. Here's a bloody, bloody awesome material, and that's birch bark. It's so rich with oil that some of those bushcrafters, they claim that you can use it for tinder even if it's wet. Um, I haven't tried that. But in the end, with the moss, uh, I managed to catch a spark in my amadou, place it in my little nest of moss, get a flame out of it, put it in the small tower of tinder wood and quickly nourish the flame with tiny tinder materials so I got a fire going. So this is my first attempt at creating a sacred fire uh, for, for a ceremonial purpose, like a Yule hearth or bonfires for May Day or Midsummer, probably other seasonal fire handling that I haven't looked into. I just collected a bit of material for this demonstration here, but I would encourage collecting wood specifically for the purpose of creating a sacred fire. So you can continuously feed a sacred fire from nine kinds of wood. You might encounter some problems when you're learning uh, how to do this, and I encourage you to not give up, but to keep at it. Things are not supposed to be easy. They're not supposed to work like pressing a button, but this will work uh, when you get a hang on, it, hang, on it, hang on it. You ever had a dream that that you um you had you 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 could you do you you want you you could do so you and please do consider even to go serious on this and move beyond this light method that I've suggested here and onto the beautiful and more hardcore communal traditional churning techniques like the Russians are still doing today or like Ian is teaching on his channel. So making fire the old way is a bit hard, but considering that I tried to make Amadou three times and try to get go from ember to flame three times during preparing this video and I got it working more or less all three times. You know, it's totally doable. If I can get as relatively successful as relatively easily when doing this, and you probably can do that too. So yes, do light the sacred fire, do look at the literature and the available knowledge of techniques and let's recover these amazing traditions of making and keeping and engaging sacred fire in our day. Thank you very much for watching this and see you around.